Welcome to VSI, Variation Selection Inheritance, podcast production of the National Science Foundation's Beacon Center for the Study of Evolution in Action. I'm Randall Hayes. For this episode, I thought I'd just introduce myself. Like most phenomena, there's more than one reason for this. For one thing, I don't plan to be the anonymous objective host you would hear on an NPR show. I'm a scientist, but I'm also a person with a specific personal history and a specific personal point of view. I try very hard not to be a jerk about that point of view, and I like talking to people with different points of view. So this will be a show with a lot of different guests. Artists, scientists, really anybody who's given these issues some serious thought. Another very good reason to start this way is that I'm still working out the bugs in the technical process of recording phone interviews. And I really don't want to lose any good audio due to my inexperience. For a third, I spent the holidays at my parents' farm in Kentucky. And we got snowed in for a couple days with no internet access and no cable television and only one book that I hadn't already read. And I got bored late at night and started reminiscing. Like I said, when you're dealing with any phenomena complicated enough to be interesting, cause and effect are usually not in a one-to-one relationship. So anyway, I grew up on this dairy-slash-tobacco farm in south-central Kentucky, about a hundred miles directly south of the Kentucky Creation Museum. It was not there when I was a kid, and I've never been to it, although I have a friend who's been thrown out of it at least twice and maybe three times. He's very proud of that. At some point we may interview him about those experiences because he's a really good storyteller. But uh, let's be clear that I'm interested in the culture wars as an example of the competition between ideas. But that particular fire is burning plenty hot without my adding fuel to it. The Beacon logo has a picture of a lighthouse. And I am definitely much more interested in light than in heat. I did go to church as a kid, specifically the First Church of Jesus Christ in Sand Springs, Kentucky which was a little white building two-thirds of the way up a limestone hill. Rockcastle County is mostly limestone, but I don't know how good it would be for fossil hunting because I never really looked. I definitely did go through a dinosaur phase when I was about seven or eight, staring at color paintings and library books, but I was really more into living animals as a kid. I was absolutely hooked on Wild Kingdom. A theme song from that show with the timbales and the, and the latiny horns that make it sound kind of like a 1970s detective show still, to this day, gives me little chills of nostalgic pleasure. I'm sitting here listening to it, and I just feel great. My son reacts kind of the same way to the violins on the opening credits of Nature. Every time we sit down and watch it, he says something to the effect of, I love that song. The reason I mention these musical associations is because the outdoors was was my church, or as close as I've ever come to the same emotions that I witnessed in other people. That's a thread of American history that seems to have unraveled somewhat. 
We've forgotten that many of the founding fathers were scientists who considered the study of the work, capital W, at least as important to their spiritual life as the study of the word, again, capital W. Because the work was complex, but it was unfiltered. The work could not lie. Rocks and plants and animals don't lie, but humans do. Thomas Jefferson actually went through his Bible with a razor blade and cut out all the miracles because he assumed that they'd been added by dishonest humans. I didn't know any of that at the time, of course. I didn't know that there were different Bibles or that there were originally more than 40 Gospels instead of four. I did know from reading comics and mythologies and science fiction that there were once lots of gods. The Greek Zeus, the Norse Odin, the Egyptian Osiris, and that they had lost out to the Christian God, which at the time I thought was kind of a shame because fighting frost giants with a big hammer was way more interesting to a small boy than curing lepers, although I was also a big fan of medical shows like MASH and Quincy M.E. I mean, a guy who was a doctor and a detective and he lived on a boat? How could you not love that? Every church is different. The Baptist church at the bottom of the little hill on the other side of the little creek had a bell they would ring. The FCOJC did not have a bell, but they did have a small group of regular singers, and my dad did play guitar with them, which I was told would be against the rules in the Baptist church. To this day, I don't really know if that was true, but it definitely drives home the point that these were individual entities little tribes competing with one another. That's a point we'll come back to lots of times in the course of this show, that cultural institutions like religious denominations are actually really good examples of evolution in action. Within that church that I went to, preachers had different styles. We had one old white-haired gent of the fire and brimstone persuasion who had a loud voice and a heavy foot that could shake the whole building when he really got going. I didn't know what he was talking about most of the time, but his delivery scared the crap out of me. He never pounded on his chest like a silverback gorilla, but there was definitely something of that flavor in his delivery. His moral force was kind of a physical force. And at the time, it seemed like a pretty effective way of doing things. Well, the preacher might have been a little scary, but there was another practice in those mountain churches called testifying, and the testimonials were terrifying to me. What they consisted of was mostly the older women of the church crying and wailing, not speaking in tongues exactly, but so wound up emotionally that they couldn't really form complete sentences anymore. They'd just repeat phrases like, Oh, Jesus! Oh, Jesus! Over and over again. And this could go on for quite some time. And I was not the only kid who wanted to be outside, away from that intensity. At the bottom of that limestone hill was a little creek. Gravel from the parking lot of the church made very satisfying little splooshes. Splooshes. When you threw them down the hill. 
we kids were not really expected to sit through the entire service. So when we were done quoting our Bible verses in Miss Wilma's Sunday school class, which we did as quickly as possible, shortest verse in the Bible, two words, Jesus wept. When we were done with that, we were usually free to go outside and play in the parking lot or in the graveyard up on the hill as long as we didn't make too much noise and bother anyone. We were all little kids exposed to the same religious stimuli, but for some of us it stuck and for some of us it didn't. We were selected for religious tendencies. Some of us stayed and joined the church. Some of us moved away to find work. Some of us went to jail. I think I was the only one who sentenced himself to 11 years of hard labor in college plus graduate school. But that's a whole other story. I stopped going to church when I was about 14. It was maybe two years later that I first ran across some of Darwin's ideas in another source. I don't remember what that source was. It was not one of Darwin's works. To this day, I still haven't read any of those. What I do remember is the feeling it gave me. Something clicked in my head, and suddenly a lot of things made sense. The closest example I can actually quote was a passage from William Goldman's The Princess Bride. It's not actually a part of Buttercup and Wesley's story. It's one of those points where Goldman the narrator breaks in and sort of sermonizes. So imagine Fred Savage saying this. Life is not fair, and it never has been, and it's never going to be. Would you believe, for me, right then, it was like one of those comic books where the light bulb goes on over Mandrake the Magician's head. It isn't, I said so loudly I really startled her. You're right. It's not fair. I was so happy that if I'd known how to dance, I'd have started dancing. End quote. It was like that for me, too. When I read that passage, suddenly the pressure was off. All the angst was for, at that moment, gone. The mismatch between my reality and an impossible perfection was an illusion. I could still work hard to make the world more fair than it was, but being imperfect didn't mean that I was a failure. The average person is most afraid of loneliness. People who become scientists are often more afraid of failure than they are of loneliness. So, that's why I'm not all about convincing people to accept evolution, or to use the religious term, converting them to evolution. Scientists care about evidence, and so that's how we talk to one another. It's our default mode. But for most people, the issue is simply not an issue of logic or evidence at all. It's about our, their emotions. People accept or reject facts based on how they resonate emotionally. So what we'll be emphasizing on this show are the clarity and the power and the beauty and the usefulness of these ideas of variation, selection, and inheritance. That's all the time we have for this very first show. Tune back in. Next week will be our first movie review on an absolute gem of a science fiction sleeper, Jerome Bixby's The Man from Earth. The week after that, our very first interview with my son Jack. And the week after that, 
uh, an interview with Len Testa of the WDW Today podcast. What does planning your vacation at Walt Disney World have to do with evolution? Well, you'll just have to tune back in and find out. We'll be posting these every Friday, both to our website and iTunes. VSI is produced by me, Randall Hayes, at North Carolina Agricultural and Technical State University with support from the National Science Foundation's Beacon Center for the Study of Evolution in Action. Sound clips from Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom and Nature were downloaded from their publicly available websites. We'll have links to those on our own website, which you can find at http colon slash slash beacon dot ncat dot edu.